0: Sorry about that. I was supposed to open. <laughs> you know, I got women telling me to do every, everything uh, in my life. <laughs> so, uh, I did not know that. Sorry about that. Uh, I was just having a conversation, and so uh, sorry about that. Hey, let's stand. Uh, we're going to go right into the service here and just see what the Lord has for us. We've been praying, and we've been asking God to just meet, meet with us. and uh, He was certainly here in the morning, morning service, heard a powerful word shared by, uh, by a pastor, a great uh, time of prayer in the altar. Uh, i tell you what, prayer is always in order. Uh, it doesn't matter. We're not just going to preach and say, okay, uh, see you later. Uh, you know, we got to do business with the Lord then too. Come on, amen. We're going to do business with the Lord uh, tonight. We're going to meet, we're going to meet with him uh, and that's why we've come. So let's pray uh, and, and then we're going uh, to get into the worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords tonight. Father, we are so grateful, uh, Lord, that we're able to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for what you did earlier, but that was then. This is now, God, and we need a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. God, we are are grateful for what you did earlier in this place, but Father, we stand in need on this night. But God, we just don't want to come to receive. We want to give to you, Lord. We want to give honor and praise and exaltation to your mighty and your sovereign and your holy name. Thank you, God, for this time, Lord, that we can gather together as your people, Lord. And much like as uh, of the day of Pentecost, Lord God, we just pray for the same outpouring of Your Spirit in this house tonight, God. We thank You, Lord, that Your presence is within us, God. But we, we want the manifest presence, God. Your presence to just uh, dwell in this place tonight, Lord God. We just thank You, Lord, for uh, Lord the Word that's going to be preached from this pulpit, Lord, and everything that'll be said and done in the time of prayer at the altar, Lord. We commit it all into Your hands, God. We trust You tonight. We believe You, and we put our hope and our faith and our confidence in You, God. We're believing You for breakthrough power tonight, God, that you will touch. You will bring deliverance in this house, God, that you will set captives free. You will encourage your people. You'll strengthen your people, God. We will see your power and might go on display. So, Father, we thank you for that in advance. We give you praise tonight for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. Yeah, we do see a breakthrough coming. Praise the Lord! You can be seated for a moment. I'm going to ask the ushers to come quickly and wait on you. Thank you for being here again. Uh, and as you give to the Lord, whether it's uh, missions, tithe, uh, a building fund, thank you so very, very much for for sowing into God's kingdom work here. Uh, and you help us uh, to keep the lights on, paying paying the bills and uh, and to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we're just so grateful tonight, Lord, that we're able to, again, be in your presence, Lord. God, Lord, we don't want to just worship with, with our words and with our hands, God, but we want to worship with our wallets as, as well, God. So we sow into your kingdom tonight, God. We are we're so thankful that you've given us seed, Lord, that we can sow, and we do it out of a cheerful heart, God. You've lavished so much upon us, Lord, God. We could never pay for it all. And God, we're just thankful, Lord, as we give to you, Lord, that you will open up the heavens over us and release your blessings upon us. God, thank you for that. We give you praise for it. Now bless your people, Lord, by your riches and glory. In Christ Jesus, we ask it in his name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Let's give to the Lord in worship.
1: God, we come in this place tonight for you to revive us and refresh us. God, Lord, whatever circumstances, God, that are surrounding us tonight, Lord God, we believe in you. That's why we're here, because you're faithful, God. Lord, we know that you'll move in our midst, God. We know, God, that you are still a God of the impossible. And we trust you tonight, God. And we believe, Lord, that you are faithful then and you'll be faithful.
2: Holding on to faith Cause I know you'll make a way And I don't always understand And I don't always get to see But I will believe it I will believe it Cause you make mountains move take time
1: we ask that you would come in this place tonight and meet with us God renew us and refine us revive us Lord speak to our hearts God Lord there's nothing God that we can change on this earth God but we can touch heaven tonight and you can change every circumstance and you can heal and you can set free and you can deliver and God Lord you can take brokenness God and you can mend it And God, you can take what we think God is completely shattered and you can make something new again. So in this place tonight, God, we recognize our limitations, but we also recognize that you are limitless and you are powerful and you are good. And we welcome you to come to this place. I
2: can't go back to the beginning. what you might
3: Would you give the Lord some meaningful praise? Hallelujah. You know what's so powerful about that chorus, that song? It states a fact. The Lord is in this place. We just need to be aware of that. We don't want to be like Jacob who woke up the next morning after a visitation and said, the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. He's here tonight and we know it. Give him praise. Give him praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Would you turn around and shake hands with a neighbor and say, The Lord is in this place and you're about to be blessed? Would you do that? Amen. You are about to be blessed of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, of all people here tonight, I just want to take a second to honor someone. Tammy, Grandma's here tonight. And how old is she? She's 100 years old. God bless you. What a joy and delight. You never call out a lady's age, but if they get to be 100, you call it out, amen? Would you say, what's wrong with a lot of other folks that aren't here tonight when we got a lady here a 100 years old in the house of the Lord? Judy, there's still hope for you, amen. God bless you. Oh, what an awesome presence of the Lord tonight. I don't wanna take a lot of time. I wanna introduce our guest speaker tonight, and we're very delighted to have Pastor Jay Brooks, the last time he was with us, he was Evangelist Jay Brooks, and it's been several years, but for those of you... Uh, who don't remember, uh, let me just tell you that he's been here a number of times over the years, both in our old location and here uh, in this one, and ministered the Word of God to us. He and his wife, uh, Michelle, their pastors, family life, worship center church in Zellinger, PA. And tonight, we're honored to have his daughter, Katie, with us. And maybe Katie's going to sing. She's an awesome singer. Uh, Maybe she'll sing for us tonight. But we're going to enjoy the Lord tonight, the presence of God is here, and I'm I'm just going to say that, you know, what what Jesus, uh, or what Mary said, I should say, about Jesus when they ran out of wine, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. And so I have enough confidence in this man to tell you that whatever he says, whatever he shares, whatever he prays, whatever he blesses you with, just be obedient to the Lord. That will speak through his servant tonight, and we're going to be blessed of the Lord. So I want to introduce Brother Jay Brooks to us tonight that don't know him already, Pastor Jay Brooks now. And so Brother Jay... Meet Pastor Jay. Come on up, Pastor Jay. <laughs> G- God bless you. We're so Amen. glad to have you tonight. What a tremendous man of God. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Brother. Thank you, brother.
4: Love you. Appreciate you. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I will tell you what. Uh, I, I, I had revival this morning in church and Uh, Katie and I uh, drove down and we were putting on some good Maverick City and other songs. We were just having revival in the car, showed up here and and experiencing the presence of God. So I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm locked and loaded, baby. (laughs) I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to go. I've got a three-week series I've got to preach in the next little while. So I'll try to get it all in here. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the Lord spoke to me and, and the Lord's been speaking to me about your situation. And I want you to know there's no accidents, there's no coincidences in God. He knows exactly what you need, when you need, how you need it, through whom you need it. And uh, he will speak through anything. If he can speak through a donkey, if he can He can speak through anything, amen? And uh, if you have your Bible, I want to get right into the word. If you'll stand in reverence to reading the word of the Lord... I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, and uh, we're just going to read one verse of Scripture. You know this story well. We're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, and I believe we'll have it put on the screen for you. Uh, I just want to honor uh, Pastor and Sister Carrick. Uh, we love and appreciate you very, very much. Um, you took a chance on a, on a young evangelist that didn't know a whole lot but knew that God was doing something in his life. And uh, some of the first revivals that I've ever preached were for you. And you gave me that opportunity. And so I honor you for that because you've sown into my life. And now tonight I want to sow into your lives. And I appreciate you so much. And Tara, I appreciate you so much. And uh, this is a wonderful family. And and Brother Joel and the whole ministerial staff here. And uh, I, I just love and appreciate you. How many of you love your pastoral staff? Can you give them praise? So we honor you, and we, we appreciate you. And, of course, i love to have my princess with me. She's all grown up, starting her own family, but she's always my princess. And uh, she's working hard today, did a lot at the church, so uh, she's probably going to take the night off. I said, when's the last time you've ever been in church where you didn't have to do anything? <laughs> it's been a while. And so uh, I think she's probably going to sit back and enjoy tonight. But next time, we'll get her. Next time, we'll make sure she's on the docket, and we'll, we'll make sure she sings. Or she may get touched to God during the message. You never know. What I do know is I'm not going to sing, and you're going to be better off for it. Amen? Now, if I ever sing, you best believe the Holy Ghost is in the house. All right. So let's, let's read this. We all know the story well. I'm going to try to recap it a little bit and uh, get into this, uh, this message. Oh, my, I have something for you tonight. Jesus fed the multitude, and we'll talk about it, and we'll dig into it just a bit. But there's a very important scripture in this whole story that sometimes gets a little bit overlooked. And it's this scripture right here that I want to focus on. And it just simply says this, And they did all eat and were all filled. How many wants to get filled tonight? They got so full there were leftovers. And they said they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets Full. I want to preach on the thought. Uh, my main theme is uh, God's blessings upon our lives. But if I had a subtitle, it would be living on leftovers. Amen? How many of you know you can live on leftovers? Amen? How, how many of y'all make extra food just so you can have the leftovers, amen, and, and my wife will make spaghetti, and is this not the truth, she'll, she'll make, oh, it's so good, Pastor Carrick, and she'll, she'll make a thing like this, and it's just three of us in the house right now, and we'll eat that for like a couple weeks, I mean, I'll, I'll pray over it and say, please don't be bad, because I still have to eat some more leftovers, amen, and so I, I want to get into this, and uh, let's, let's pray together, and let's just do that. let's have church, that's why we're here, let's have church, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to bind every devil within the sound of my voice. I come to bind you, Satan. You are not welcome in this place. I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm talking about in my mind, in my life. You are not welcome in this place. Long enough you have frustrated the body of Christ... Long enough you have tried to hold us back and hold us down. Long enough we've got caught in the storm and made Jesus walk on water and we haven't been able to make it on our own. Tonight, we're going to learn how to make it by the grace of God. We're going to learn how to be overcomers. We're going to learn how to stand on what we know and what you've done, Lord. Uh, We've got a testimony, a testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I'm going to start preaching to myself. I'm going to start talking to myself. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am called. I am chosen. I am favored. I am anointed of the Holy Spirit, devil. Do you hear what I'm saying? And no longer will you hold the church back. No longer will you hold families back. No longer will you destroy marriages. No longer will I be in financial ruins. I'm a child of God and that means something. It means that I have favor with the Father. It means that I'm a king's kid. I've got access to the kingdom tonight and Lord, I'm calling down the Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place, God. We need revival. Lord, I said we need revival. Lord, I saw it up on the, on the screen here. That word awakening, it's been in my spirit all night long. We need an awakening in America, We need an awakening in the pulpits. We've got icicles that are preaching behind the pulpit. We need fire preachers again. We need Pentecost to be stirred once again. God, raise up the church. Raise up pastors that will preach with passion. Raise up worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth, God. We've got a world that's in dire need. It's upside down, inside out. God, people are confused, but I'm not confused tonight oh I'm just trusting in the favor of God and my faith in you God and your blessings will come upon me and I will learn to live on what you've given me in Jesus name oh I feel like I've preached everybody shout amen shake your neighbor's hand say you're blessed amen amen you might be seated in the presence of the Lord oh amen amen all right, I'm gonna get into this because I'm feeling something right now. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit, so that's a good thing, Amen. Well, you know all the story really well. I'll try to recap here a little bit, hit a couple things, but I want to get to this verse tonight. I'll tell you what, I I'm excited, Pastor. I'm excited to preach this word. See, let me, let me kind of give you some context, if you will. Uh, if you if you don't know, I like to worship. That's why I switched to this because I I I like to worship. I gotta worship and. And we're going to worship through this together, all right? Get, get, get a picture of uh, Jesus, and he's, uh, he's preaching. And as he's preaching, he, 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 you, you think I mentioned a three-week three series. He's got like a 10-week series he's preached all day long. And he's preached, and he's preached, and he's, he's preached. And the Bible says there's 5,000 men, and they didn't count the women and the children. That's really important. So now we've, we estimate there's at least 15,000 people there to hear Jesus preach. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it interesting? He's got no Facebook presence. He doesn't have a Twitter account. He doesn't have newspaper advertisement or television, but 15 people show up to hear Jesus preach. Now, he's done a lot of one-on-one ministry. He's done a lot of... And I like when he does one-on-one. I like those intimate times with the Lord. But, but now he's preaching to the masses. And this is actually going to kind of set off his ministry, if you will. He has about a window of three years... To really do ministry, and he grew up, and we understand that he was a carpenter's son. No one really believed in him. Everyone, when he was called, said, uh, you know, this is just a carpenter's son over here. This, this is Joseph's son. He can't be the Messiah. He can't be the chosen one. Isn't it interesting when God gives you a, an assignment, and you go and fulfill that assignment, that, that even the people you're closest to will sometimes reject you. Isn't that interesting? And the Bible says he went to his own and they received him not. Nah. But he began his ministry. He didn't listen to the doubters. He didn't listen to the naysayers. Amen? Somebody needs to hear me tonight. Don't, don't listen to negativity. If people are going to speak negativity, you just uh, wave to them and say, you know, you guys do your negative thing, but I'm leaving. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? So you don't listen to that. Amen? And so he starts his ministry and uh, the Bible talks about how he went to the wedding of Canaan. We understand he turned water into wine. And whatever he says to do, that's what you do. That's pretty important because his disciples are there and, 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 and his mother said, now whatever he does... Whatever he says to do, that's what you do. And so he starts his ministry there. And and we see that uh, the household saw the miracle, and it was a great miracle. And so now uh, he has other miracles, and he begins to to talk to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus wants to understand how to be saved. And he says, you must be born again. And so he, uh, he talks to him, and he's confused, and he doesn't understand that Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level of natural things so he can understand. Isn't that what he does? And so Nicodemus gets confused and he doesn't understand, but eventually he tries to to teach him the the way of the Lord. We understand he meets a woman at the well. Again, one-on-one ministry. He meets the woman at the well and he has a conversation. And again, she's confused by his speech because he's talking about spiritual water and she's talking about natural water. I find this interesting. I just think you know thoughts and I write a lot of things down, but I thought it was interesting that she showed up to the well with with a bucket but she went home with a well because the bible says you can have a well that's springing up to everlasting water amen and so it's this one on one ministry he's been doing for some time and now we understand that that he's uh, he's preaching to fifth 15,000 or more people and he's preaching all day long they have left their jobs they have left the fields they have come and they were so excited to hear Jesus preach that none of them even thought they would be there after lunchtime and so no one's brought any provisions except this little boy and we understand that after a long time I I know your preachers not want long-winded and you don't think that but sometimes preachers can preach a long time and so he preached a long time and the people are getting faint and they're getting hungry and, and, and they're, they're, they're getting a little bit of fidgety, if you will. And so uh, we, we understand that, that the disciples kind of had a little meetup, a little huddle over here. And I can get a picture of the huddle. And there's, there's Peter and there's James and there's Thomas and they're all huddled. And they're, they're saying, who wants to be the one to tell the Son of God he's preaching too long? Who would like to have that aside? Peter, you're good at putting your foot in your mouth. You go out there and do it. I I don't know. And so somebody has to interrupt Jesus as he's preaching. Uh, Excuse me, Jesus. Jesus. This, this message is so good. I'm telling you, I got so many notes. It is rich. It is deep. Oh, Jesus, this message is absolutely wonderful. Uh, but we just want to tell you that you're going a bit long, and uh, the people are getting hungry, and they're fainting. And they're, just, they're overwhelmed because they've been out in the sun all day long. And Jesus says, well, why don't you give them something to eat? So he reports back to the group and and he's saying, "Um, did anybody think to bring any food? And they, 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 they're confused. They said, well, well is this a test? Is, what, what's he saying now? What does he want us to do? Does he want us to go to the store and get 15,000 hamburgers? What do we do? We don't know what to do. And so one of them finally has a good idea to say, why don't we go through the crowd and see what we have? You well, know, they think that's a great idea. So they disperse amongst the crowd, and they try to not interrupt Jesus as he's preaching. And, and finally one of them comes back and says, "Oh, boys, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got an update. And uh, what, what did you find? Well, there's one boy that has two fish and five loaves of bread. I thought this was interesting that the one that the miracle would come through was the one that wasn't counted. The one that the miracle would come through was the one that was overlooked. And I want to encourage someone, don't ever overlook anything in your life because it could be the things that you're overlooking that will bring the, bring the best blessings to your life. Amen, someone. So, so you cannot overlook anything. And, and so here's this little boy. And, and isn't, it, isn't it interesting that the little boy gives up his entire lunch without even an argument? He just gives it to him. And so here they are. They have this huddle, and, and they got two fish and five loaves. And, and, and Thomas is sitting there, and he said, I doubt that this is going to work. I don't think this is enough. And, and so uh, who wants to report to Jesus what we have? Well, Peter, you go do it. I don't know. And so they, they push one of the boys out there and say, well, Jesus, here, here, here's what we have, but, but it doesn't appear to be that much. And he said, well, what do you have? Well, we got two fish and five loaves of bread. He said, that'll do. He says, now, go get the people in order, and I want you to take and sit them in groups of 50. So that's uh, literally 300 groups of people. So I I imagine this took some time. So the boys go back out. They begin to get the groups and and, and assignments. And and I can imagine, you know, Susie's over here and saying, well, surely my friend's over here. So I want to go over and sit with her and and I want to be with him and I want to do this. I can imagine it was just chaos out there. And they finally get them in 50 groups, or, or 300 groups of 50, and they finally get them all organized. And this took a long time. Let me just tell you some of the best miracles in your life will take a long time. God's not in a hurry, God is above time. And you would say, Come on, Jesus, come right now, come quickly, I need you. And God's just sitting up there in heaven, just taking his time. So it took a long time. Jesus is preaching, and, and, and so we realize that they finally got them all in groups, and they, they finally got them in, in order, and, and that's good because what I do know is sometimes before God can bless you, the reason why it took so long is you got to get yourself in order. you got to get your family in order. you got to get your life in order. you got to get yourself in order. And so he finally gets them in order, and there they are. They're sitting in the groups, and he's got how many fish? He's got two fish. And five loaves of bread. Is that right? Two fish, five loaves of bread, 15,000 people to feed. And, and here's what he does. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, he, he literally then takes this bread and the fish and he blesses. Listen to this so closely. He blesses what is not enough. He thanks God Lord God Father, we thank you. We bless what we have, even though it's not enough. And I want to tell somebody sometimes you have to look at not enough and begin to thank Him that I don't, or that that I might not have enough, but I have everything that I need. Amen? Come on and give Him praise if you believe that. Sometimes you got to be crazy enough to say thank you for not enough. I, I lost that job. I don't have the job that I want, and, and it's not the job I want, but I thank you for what I do have. You have to thank God sometimes for not enough. It, it's not the house that I want. It's not the marriage that I dreamed of, but I thank you for what I do have right now. I lift it up to you. I give you praise, and you'll never get to multiplication if you're ungrateful for what you have. Can I say it again? You'll never get to multiplication if you're ungrateful for what you have. So you need to become thankful for what he has done right now. The Bible says we're to be thankful at all times and praise him at all times. And so we take an inventory. We have how many fish? We have two fish and we have five loaves of bread. Is is that right? We still have two fish. Nobody caused any trickery to take place. No one came in with a truck and brought a whole bunch more. We literally have how many fish? Two fish and five loaves of bread. And after he blesses it, Jesus then takes it and he breaks the fish and the bread. Isn't that interesting? I don't even know how you break a fish. How many fishermen do I have in the place? How do you break a fish? I don't know, but he's Jesus so he can do whatever he wants. And, and this is the amazing thing. We've got how many fish? Two fish. And we have how many loaves of bread? Five loaves of bread. And, and he breaks it and he hands it to the disciples. And he breaks it and he hands it to the disciples. And how many do we have? I have no idea how much we have now. Because somehow we've lost count of the inventory because he multiplies and he blesses more through the breaking. And I want someone to hear me very, very closely. The blessing will often come from... The breaking and that which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. It's in the breaking of life that the blessings come. It's when you crush the uh, the uh, the, the, which when you crush the olive that it produces the oil. In John chapter fifteen, it's the cutting of the branches that bring more. If any of you know how to prune a tree, you understand that you're cutting it back, you're breaking it apart, so that it can produce even more. So I want to thank God right now. Every time. that you broke me. Every time that I was trial, or going through a trial, every time, God, that I seemed like I was not going to make it, and I was reduced, and you took things away from me, and God, I didn't have what I need. You broke me down because you were getting ready to build me up. Come on and give him praise if you believe that. Amen. Oh, I've got to hurry. That's only week one. So we get to, to the next part. And, and, and so here he is, and, 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 and he gives the... This is so powerful. He, he breaks it, and then he gives it to the disciples, and it's the job of the disciples to distribute it to the people. To the people. What, what, what I'm wondering is, what God has given to you, are you going to hoard it to yourself or give it to the people? Because we got a lot of church folk that come to church... And they get fed a good word from this pulpit. I would know that for sure. Amen. No matter who's in this pulpit, you get fed and you get good word. And you can just take that word and digest that word and keep that word and not give it to anyone. But the purpose of the church, hear me very closely, the purpose of the church is to eat the word in here and distribute it out there. Because there are dying people that are going to hell. You work with them. You live with some of them. Amen. They're your neighbors. They're your co-workers, and they need to hear from God, amen. And they need to hear it through you. So the disciples feed the people, and, and so uh, we understand that 5,000 people are fed. And that's, that's amazing, isn't it? He, he, he went from not enough to what? More than enough. Because he's going to collect some fragments that remain here in a moment. We're going to get to that whole story in a moment. There are three levels in God. You ready for this? This is not deep. Three levels in God, all through the Word of God. Not enough, just enough, and more than enough. That's your three levels in God. It's all through the word of God. In in, uh, Egypt, we learned that they didn't have enough to make their quota and get their bricks so they were in a land of not enough. They get to the wilderness and what happened? They had just enough. Every single day, it rains down from heaven, and they go out and they get what they need for that day. Thank God for just enough. But he said over there in the promised land, they've got fruit that they've got to carry on poles because it's more than enough over there. So there's three levels in God. You remember the story of Ruth? When she came, where did she glean? The Bible says she gleaned at the outside of the fields, the corner of the fields. That's where the poor folk would go. That was a place of not enough. But then she got behind the men. Have you read this? And the Bible says when she got behind the men, he said, you throw out handfuls on purpose, amen, and she got handfuls on purpose, but then the Bible says she snuck in at night, and she laid down at his feet, and the Bible says he literally laid it on her, and she had now more than enough, amen. I thank God that he gets me through the lean season of not enough. I thank God that he gets me through the seasons of just enough, but oh, I'm praying the church gets an overflow. I'm praying that the church gets to a place of more than enough enough amen if you believe that say come on lord give us more than enough in this place his name is el shaddai amen i said his name is el shaddai it means he's a god of more than enough amen and he wants to give you more than you can handle more anointing more revelation amen and so we go through these levels and they're getting ready to go to a place of of more than enough now now he could have stopped listen to this He could have fed the 15,000 and said, that's a pretty good miracle, and stopped right there. But here's what I know about my God. God says, when I pour out a blessing into your life, I'm not limited to the capacity, your capacity to receive what I have for you. I intend for you to live in an overflow. I intend for the church to have more than enough. I intend to pour out my spirit upon you and fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not just you, the Bible says. It's for your children and your children's children. The reason why, don't you look down on this generation because they should be filled with the holy ghost if you have an overflow but if you don't if you don't i'm going to leave that right there amen so we got 12 baskets now let's get into this 12 baskets isn't that interesting and 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 they go 12 is the number of the church amen someone Twelve is the number of the church all through the Bible. It's God's authority. It's God's church. And, and it represents his authority and his power. And so the, the, the Bible says, get this, they had to go out. The crowds have left now. You ever been at a big event where people leave stuff behind? And the crowds have gone. Jesus is finally packing up his notes. And he says to the disciples, I've got 12 baskets over here. Where do baskets come from? I don't know. He's gone. But he says, I've got 12 baskets over here. I want you to go out and gather the fragments that remain and pick it all up. Now, who wants that job? Because now, listen to this. They take their baskets. Here you go, Thomas. Here you go, all of them. James, here's your basket. Go get it. And they had to go out there in the field. And they had to literally go out and they had to pick up pieces of nasty fish and put it in the basket pieces of of crumbled bread and and bread that's been chewed on and and i guess i've said this before i guess it was pre-covid because they touched it and you know i don't know and they had to pick up pieces of bread and and put it in the basket and so they come back and they report to jesus that they've picked up all of that stuff all of the nasty stuff how many of you know some of the nasty stuff in your life is good for you oh i'm gonna get into it now (laughs) And they pick it all up, and, and here they are. As they, they picked it up, they, they report back to Jesus, and they understand that now they're getting ready to get into a boat. Amen? And so, so they get ready to get into a boat. Jesus says, I want you to take all of those fragments, and I want you to load it up onto the boat, and I'm going to push you out there to the, to the sea, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. What are you going to do, Jesus? Well, I'm going to go up to the mountain, and I'm going to pray. And so he goes up to the mountain and he's praying. And uh, he, he, here's what happened. See, see, everything God does, it's for a purpose. When God blesses you, it is for a purpose. And here they are. Uh, they, they, they are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, a storm begins to rage. There, there's wind, there's rain, there's lightning. And there's thunder. And, oh, it's, it's, it's a scary hurricane. They're in a rowboat. That's basically what they're in. They're in a hurricane with a rowboat. And so here they are. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And they're wondering how they're going to make it. And, and it's interesting that you sang that one song about the middle because that was in my notes. Because here they are. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And when you get in the middle of, of a storm, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do. Am I going to go back or am I going to go forward? Because, see, if I go back, it doesn't make sense to go back because it's too far to go back. But if I go forward, I'm not sure what to do. What do I do? I'm stuck right in the middle of the storm. I don't know a whole lot, but when I get stuck in a storm, I'm just going to trust in Jesus. Amen? I'm just going to trust that God's going to get me through the storm. And so he, he, here's what we see. Jesus is over here in the mountain, and he's praying, and, and he's, he's got the power, right? That's Jesus. That's the son of the living God. He's up in the mountaintop. That represents the power. Over here, it represents the problem. They have a problem. They're in the middle of the storm. And and there's distance between the power and between the problem. There's distance. There's a disconnect. And we must bring the two together in order to see something miraculous happen. And so here we see that there's darkness, there's danger, And there's distance between Jesus and the disciples. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. The storm is raging. And and, and what I understand is this, that no matter where you are in your life, God knows everything. And he sees everything. He's up in the mountaintop and he's looking down on those disciples. And before they ever got to the storm, he knew they were going to go through a storm. Isn't that interesting? Not only did he know, I believe he brought the storm to them because he controls everything. Amen. Doesn't the Bible say that that the hail and the snow, it's all in his storehouse? And he, he, he manipulates it and he moves it and he puts it and places it where he wants. And so I believe that you ever see a, a screen uh, where they're on TV like the spy people and they're pushing things and they're moving things and, and it causes different things to happen and it's this big computer screen. I can just see Jesus up there. Yeah, they need a little wind down there. Yep, they need some storm. They need some rain. Oh, yeah, lots of thunder. We need to scare these guys. Lots of thunder. And, uh, and he sends this storm their way. Because Jesus is in control of everything. Did you hear me? Everything. They're too far out that they cannot call out to Jesus in their futile effort if they would say, Jesus, he's way up there in the mountain, and he could not hear them, but he could see them. And he knows everything. I'm so glad he knows everything, Joel. I'm so glad he knows exactly what you're going through in this house. He knows when I'm sad. He knows when I'm mad. He knows when I'm well. And he knows when I'm sick. He knows everything about my life. And so he knows what they're going through. And, and so uh, we understand that they're out there crying, and they're overwhelmed, and, and they don't know what to do. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, now we got to my scriptures here, brother. Matthew chapter 20, or 14, verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, walking on the water. We serve a God that can walk on what drowns us. Oh, you all didn't hear me. What could destroy you is underneath of his feet. And the Bible says that he went walking out on the water to get to the disciples. The things that you drown in are the things he walks on. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3 says that the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So this storm did not bother him. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and and through the danger and through the darkness and through the distance, here comes Jesus walking their way. Oh, I want to tell somebody, Jesus is on the way. Just hold on a little bit longer. I know you're frustrated. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. But I want you to know Jesus is coming your way. In fact, raise your hands and say, oh, Lord, come right now. We need you to. Right now, Lord, come to where I am. Come to my storm, Lord. I need Jesus to come down. So here he comes walking on water. We serve an awesome God. Amen. And I, and I would have thought, listen to this. I would have thought he would have come to them, but that wasn't the case. Did you notice that? He didn't come to them. He came near them. That's an important part of the story right here. He didn't come to them, he came near them. I want to focus on that just for a moment because if you read the the gospel of Mark in this particular account, the Bible says that as he is walking, he came near them but not to them. And it was almost that he would have walked right by them. You ever read that? The Bible says he would have walked right by them. He came near them but he did not come to them. and, and, And they didn't recognize him as being God because in the storm, God looked like a goat. Look like a ghost. They're fearing for their lives. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden there's a ghost walking on the water. What are you gonna do? Keep on rowing, boys. Keep on rowing. There's a ghost on the water, and we don't know what to do. And sometimes the thing that you're apprehensive about that's coming to your life is the very same thing that God's sending to your life to save you. He he doesn't always look like you think he's going to look. He doesn't always talk like you think he's going to talk. He'll come in different forms. Sometimes he comes in fire. Sometimes he comes in water. Sometimes he comes in a still, small, small, voice and he comes in all kinds of forms but here's what I understand. I don't care how he comes, just come Lord. Revelation 22:20 20 says, "He testifies of these things, surely I am coming quickly." And the church said, "Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus." How many's ready to get up out of here? How many's tired of this old world? How many's ready for the rapture of the church to take place? Amen. And so, I believe Jesus is on his way. I I believe Jesus is walking by. You better call on him or he's going to walk right by. You could sit there and act cute in church if you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God and we're going to worship God. Because listen, there's a lot of churches that don't want Jesus today. Can you believe what I just said? Can you believe the preacher just said that? There's a lot of churches that want to be entertained. There's a lot of churches that want personality. There are a lot of churches that want a whole lot of things. But Jesus is walking by, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you don't call on him, if you don't reach out, he's going to go to the next church. He's going to go to the next house. He's going to go to the next family. You better call on him while he is near. Amen, someone. And so they didn't recognize him. He he can show up in all kinds of ways. Amen? Do you know God can show up in a a street sign? Anybody believe me? (laughs) You can be driving down the highway and hear God and see God in a sign. He can speak through a child. A child can come up to you and prophesy to you. He can speak through anything and anyone. He can show up however he wants. Paul said, I become all things to all people so that some might be saved. He said, when I'm with the Jewish people, this is what I am. But when I'm with the Gentiles, this is what I am. He said, I became all things to all people. And it's possible, it's possible that we miss God even when we need him most. Look what Genesis twenty-eight sixteen says. Pastor quoted it. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. My great God, that's a powerful scripture. There are people that show up to church. And they don't even know God's in the building. And I want to ask you a question. Why, and I've said this so many times in my own church, why in the world would you get up and get ready, spend $3.25 a gallon for gas, drive all the way to church, put your time into church, brush your teeth, comb your hair, get ready, put on nice clothes if you're not going to recognize that God is in the building and you have a desire to commune with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But, but the problem is that religion teaches you a limited point of reference for God. If he doesn't look like this, if he doesn't talk like we think he ought to talk, if it doesn't dress like we think it should dress, then, then, then that doesn't speak to me and we will reject him and run away from what we think is a ghost. And it could be the answer. Isn't that interesting? It could be. Be Your answer could be in some scary stuff. He came near them, but he did not come to them. Now I want to say this, and I want you to receive this. Amen? Is this all right? <clears throat> your God will not break into your calamity if he's not invited into it. I'm going to say it again. Maybe someone over here will hear me. Your God will not come into your calamity until you're ready to invite him in to your mess. Blind Bartimaeus was lying by the road, and he was sitting there, and Jesus was passing by. Jesus didn't stop to lay his hands on him. Jesus didn't stop by to have a word with him, but the Bible says he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They told him to be quiet. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he was healed that day because he was willing to invite Jesus into his calamity. Jesus came near them, but he did not come to them is an indication of our responsibility for a breakthrough and a miracle. We must become engaged with God. Engaged with God. You can't be a recipient of the blessing if you don't do something to help make it happen. Come on, someone. We're waiting for the preacher to make it happen. We're waiting for our spouse to make it happen. We want the praise team to sing us happy. Y'all did a wonderful job, but you're not miracle-making people. You are the worship team that brings us into the one who can do a miracle. Amen. And so we need to understand this. We need to get involved in our miracle. Hebrews chapter three, chapter eleven, verse six says this: "But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him." Do I got any seekers in the house? I said, "Do I got any seekers in the house?" Would you raise your hands for a moment, and would you just take about 30 seconds, and would you just let him know you're here for a miracle. You are here for a blessing. You are here for a revival. You are here for something amazing. You are here for revelation. You are here, God, to do a mighty miracle. You are here for a blessing, Lord. Amen. And Mr. Soundman, without getting any feedback, if you could give me some more monitor, that's great. If not, I understand. Don't they do a wonderful job? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus said, I've come close, I've come near, but the rest is up to you. If you don't want to invite me into your situation, you're never going to see me take you out of your situation because many people don't want to invite Jesus into their situation because they're comfortable where they are. Right. Comfortable living where they are. And, and what I understand is your level of seeking indicates to me whether you want to get better or you want to stay the way you are. Amen, someone. And if you don't believe that, you just ask the the man at the pool Bethesda. This man at the pool Bethesda, he lay there for 38 long years. Can you imagine that? 38 years. And then Jesus shows up, the fixer of everything. Jesus shows up, and everything's going to be fine. And I believe Jesus looks at the man, and he says, I have stirred up this water so you could receive your miracle for 38 years. What's up? What's the problem? And and look, he had set up a bed. He had set up a nice, comfortable place. He had adapted to his environment because he was comfortable and not willing to do whatever it takes to get in the water and get the miracle. And so he says, Jesus, uh, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Because your level of hunger to get well doesn't indicate to me that you want to get well. And you've laid here and you've gotten lazy you've gotten comfortable, you've gotten stagnant. Come on, someone. And there's a lot of church folk that have gotten lazy in their commitment. I came to preach tonight. They've gotten lazy with their dedication. They've gotten lazy with reading the Word of God. We've gotten comfortable in in where we are with COVID-19. Amen, someone. And it's turned everything upside down, inside out. And God says, I need some hungry people. I need some seekers that want revival. Amen. So so let's get back to the Sea of Galilee There they are And they're rowing their rowboat in a hurricane They're in this middle of the sea And before we criticize them We need to understand where they are And what's happened here before Because we understand that this was the place Remember the pig story? Y'all remember this story? And, And legion and he cast out the devil. And what did the, what did the devil say? Let us go into the pigs. And so Jesus, he, he allowed them to go in the pig. He delivered them over to the pigs. And the pigs ran down the cliff. And where did they go? In the water with all the devils. And so now here they are. They're the disciples. They're out there in the middle of the, the, the sea. And they see a ghost coming at them. And all they can think of is their point of reference is all the demons out there in the water. That's their only point of reference. And, and, and I liken it unto, uh, anybody ever watch a scary movie? And it spooks you in the middle of the night and you hear everything? Amen. Michelle, my wife, used to, used to uh, watch scary movies when we first got married. We don't watch them anymore. We don't watch them anymore. Uh, And and I, well, I'm not going to get into that. That's all right. But, but so, so here's, here's how this would play out. Generally, this is how this would play out. Um, I I would get to sleep and I'm a light sleeper. And when you wake me up, I'm up for the rest of the night. Doesn't anybody else like that? Man, that drives me crazy. And so, so when we were first married, we go and get to bed after the scary movie. And, uh, and then Michelle would come over to me. She'd get real close, and she would, you awake? I am now. That's exactly right. I was sleeping really good there for a while, but I am now. And she'd shake me, and she'd say, someone's in the house. And what she's thinking about is she's thinking about the point of reference in the movie and what happened in the movie, and now she thinks it's a reality in her own life. And she says, did you, did you hear that? They're in the kitchen now. They're coming up the stairs. Do something. Do something. And so, you know, us men, we got to do something. And so, so we have to get out of our nice, comfortable bed and we got to search the house and we got to open up the closet and hope that Freddy Krueger is not in the closet. We got to go behind the shower curtain. You all know what I'm talking about. And they will not go to bed. Michelle will say, did you check the basement? And I was like, oh shoot, I thought she'd forget about that. I'd have to go down into that cold, dark basement. I had to check storage closets and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And there, there's, there's no one in the house. Everything is fine. And, and 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 so she goes off to sleep, and I'm up the rest of the night. But she got spooked from that movie, and now she thinks... What happened in the movie is happening to her in real life. Now, I I won't get into it, but but Katie will remember there was a day where I was out at Walmart and she calls me from the closet of her room crying desperately and she says, there's an intruder in the house. There's an intruder, Dad. Come home right away. We've called the police and Mom's going down to take care of him right now. And, And there's really someone in the house. We had left our garage door open and one of the visitors to one of our neighbor's house that lives right next to us. He had never been to their house and he came in the garage door of our house and he opened up the door to our uh, pantry or to our uh, out of the garage. He comes into the house and he introduces himself and he says, I'm here. You better come down now or I'm coming up to look for you. And he was just joking. He thought he was in our neighbor's house. He was in our house. There was a real intruder in our house. And y'all know Michelle. Michelle will take care of business. She will protect the family. (laughs) Scary stuff. See, when you're going through hell, and when you're going through a trial... And everything's coming about, coming to you. And you're bombarded with a whole lot of stuff, amen. What I understand is I'm out here in this rowboat. And I'm trying to get to the other side. It's windy. It's rainy. There's a storm. And now there's a ghost coming. And here's what you think. Really, God? Really, God? I have to deal with the storm, the wind, the rain, the hurricane, the boat. My brothers here that are doubting. I've got to deal with all... Excuse me, all this stuff, and now you're sending a ghost to come out and finish me off. And that's what we think in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a battle. Here we are, we're trying to get through the storm, we're trying to get through the problem, and to make matters worse, it wasn't 16 things, it's 23 things that are coming to me. And I got everything coming at me. And here's what you're thinking well, here, here it comes. This is the thing that's gonna take me out. This is the one. But God says this, do not be afraid of anything in this world because I, have overcome this world. Isaiah 41.10 says this. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. God sent me all this way to tell somebody, fear not what you go through. I am with you. I am for you. I'm helping you. I am working this out. Come on and give him praise if you believe that. So here he is, Jesus walking on the water. And he says, I was praying in the mountain and I saw the wind blowing and the lightning flashing and the thunder and I heard that. And I was already coming to get you out of, get you out of your situation. And you didn't even know I was coming. But I was on my way. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. Hope is on the way. Help is on the way. Healing's on the way. Blessing's on the way. You don't even know it, but God is working it out for your good, and he shows up just in the nick of time. I was scared, and he showed up just in the nick of time. I was nervous, and he showed up when I needed him most. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 says this. Oh, I I want to get into this now. That was my introduction. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. It, it really wasn't my introduction. I'm sorry. I scared somebody because somebody thought, my God, he's going he's to preach a long time. Amen. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled. And they said, they cried out in fear. It's a ghost. But then verse 26 says, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it's me, Jesus, I'm here. Be of good cheer, I'm here. And, and he says, fear not, it is I. Oh, that's powerful. Because they, they didn't recognize his face. They didn't recognize his walk. They didn't recognize his demeanor. But they knew his voice. They knew his voice. And, and, and listen to what the Bible says. They recognized his voice. John chapter 10 verse 4 says, The sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. I want to know, who are you listening to? Did you hear me? Who are you listening to? And they could not see him. But they could hear his words. See, that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, it says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what? Things not seen. So if I can't see it, I better be able to hear it because I need to hear the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God. There's a scripture in Isaiah, and and, and it talks about... Um, You receive the bread of adversity, and you receive all these things, and it says, but your teacher shall be heard, and he said, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, it's in the book of Isaiah, I hear a voice that says to the church in the middle of all the craziness in this world, this is the way, walk ye in it, he says it's a way of revival, it's a way of renewal, it's a way of awakening, It's a way of blessing. Walk ye in it. And stop listening to this world. Amen, someone. He says they know his voice. And it doesn't say that they won't hear the voice of strangers, it says they will not follow the voice of the stranger. They'll flee from that voice. Okay, let, let's skip into this because I, I, I got to start wrapping this up soon. Listen to this. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 32. Is this all right tonight? Is this okay? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. The storm was over. Everything was okay now. I'm going to skip Peter because you know the story. Peter, bless his little heart, he got out there and he walked on the water for a while. He got about halfway. He started to sink. Jesus helps him out. They get back to the ship. Isn't this interesting? Oh, let me me go back. Isn't this interesting that when Jesus spoke and he said, it is I, don't be afraid. When he spoke to them, it kept raining. There was still wind. And even though Jesus was near them, the storm was still raging. I find that very, very interesting. And it wasn't until he got into the boat that the wind ceased. And so finally Jesus and Peter, they get in the boat, and and, and the wind ceased. The wind ceased. Now, I want to dig into this a bit. Here's my analysis of the scripture. The storm is not a storm at all. But the storm is a teaching opportunity and it's a test. The storm isn't a storm at all. The storm is a teaching opportunity for a test. It was deliberately created by God. Did you know that God will deliberately create storms that you got to walk through? Oh, no, I think three people in this place heard me. And Jesus and God the Father will create storms in that controlled environment because he controls the storm he controls the wind he controls everything and here they are they're 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 rowing through on that boat they're trying to get away from the ghost and and, and they're afraid they think they're going to die they don't know how they're going to make it and they're overwhelmed with life but but let's not forget they've got twelve basketfuls of nasty bread and fish it's smelly it's floating now it's all over the boat because of all the rain and all of the waves that have come in the boat and They're rowing and they're trying to get away. And no one sees the baskets. I find that interesting. And listen to this. He didn't rebuke the winds and the waves. He just got into the boat and everything stopped. When he stepped into the boat, the winds went back. The waves calmed down. And everything was at peace. And here's what they said. Truly, this is the son of God I am here I've taken care of everything for you Uh, and they said truly this is the son of God and if I can preach it the way that I think that it all happened and I'm the one preaching right now I'm gonna preach it this is my translation all right you ready for this I believe Jesus was mad disappointed a little bit agitated is that all right I believe he walked into that boat, and I I, I believe they're just dripping wet. I believe water was coming down. They were soaking wet, and no one says a word. You ever have that awkward pause as a parent, and you know you're in trouble, but they ain't saying nothing. They're just looking at you. You can see the disappointment in their eyes. You can tell that they're not happy with you, and somebody's got to say something at some point and i could imagine oh peter peter probably kept his mouth shut right about now peter's probably cuz cuz i believe jesus was not happy in this moment because they they looked at him When the rains and the winds and everything ceased, they looked at him and said, Truly, you are the son of the living God. But I believe that they were upset because Jesus said, I showed you that the other day when we were out there and we preached and we collected up all the nasty fish and we collected up all the bread. I showed you I was God. I multiplied two fish. I multiplied the the loaves. I did all of that for you, and you got nothing out of my teaching lesson. You heard me preach all day long, but you didn't get the most important lesson about the leftovers. You didn't get it. You didn't understand it. It, it, it was a test. And, and here's the thing. The trouble with the church is when trials come into our life, we need to understand those trials are not to break you. Those trials are to introduce a fresh way God wants to move in your life. It's a new thing God wants to do. It's a new, and, and so it wasn't a storm. It was a test. It was a test. How many of you all remember in school that they had the answers on the back of the book that you would take for the quizzes and the test in the book? You all remember that? You remember that. Now, now I'm going to ask you a question. I want you all to be honest. This is before you, me, and God. All right? You, you, you hear me? Between you, me, and God. Tell me the truth, brother. Tell me the truth. Now, I want all of us to tell the truth. Okay? No one's looking at you but me. So you just blink your eye for yes, one's for yes, and two for no. <laughs> Did you go back to the back of the book and get all the answers, or did you, did you really study? What did I say to you was? <laughs> he forgets. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But you blinked twice anyway. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Oh, Jesus. How, how, how many, be honest with me. You didn't want to study, so you went and go, you got all the answers in the back of the book, didn't you? Some of you all did that. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Do you know what the purpose Of the answers at the back of the book were four. If you had 10 questions on the quiz, you were to try to get as many as you could get and if you could get like 8 or 10, you're doing pretty good, and if you missed a couple, it's okay because, Brother Carrick, you can go back to the book and get a point of reference and get the answer that you need for the test that you're going through right now, and so I can go back and I can get the answer and it applies to the test that I'm taking right now in this moment, amen, and so we need to understand, this storm was a test, and he was trying to teach them to remember some things in their life, so that so that when you can't get through in your own knowledge when you can't get through in your own understanding i acknowledge the lord in all of my ways amen and i begin to think back of the things that god did for my life why didn't someone in that boat look at the fish and the loaves and say why did we bring these nasty smelly fish with us why did we bring the bread with us these fish bones and this nastiness and, and all of this. And, and, and I want you to know this, that they were the answer to the test, which is the storm. Because when he got into the boat, he was disappointed, he was overwhelmed. And the reason why he was disappointed and overwhelmed, that then, and remember how he says, oh ye of what? Little faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And so I might not be able to see a way out, but I can see a way out. I might not be able to see through the storm, but I see what God did with these 12 baskets and with the fish and the loaves. L- listen to this. Listen to this. All right, I got to move on. Hebrew, or Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or that we think, according to the power that works in us. And, and, and the, the way that I want to look at this scripture is, God doesn't want to give you abundance and overflow to tickle you and make you feel good. He wants to give you an overflow. He wants to give you basketfuls of blessing, handfuls on purpose. He wants to give you more than enough, a cup running over experience, so that when you're rowing in your storm, you have a reference according to the power that works in you. He's given you power to know. Oh, this is good right here. This is good preaching. God never intended for you to go through something and get nothing out of it. He intended for you every time you go through something in life. He wants you to come out of it with some leftovers so that when you run into the next test, you've got the answer already. You don't need to go to the back of the book. You don't need to cheat. You've got the answer in the boat with you. He's the son of God then. He's the son of God now. He'll be the son of God next week. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's what I know. If God did it back then, he can do it right now. If he healed me back then, he can heal me right now. If he, he got me through back then, he can get me, back, he can get me through right now. Do you remember when they crossed the Jordan River? What did he say? He said, I want you to go grab 12 stones. 12. Isn't that interesting? And he says, I want you to put them up on the bank of the river there. And I want you to form them. And it's going to be a memorial. And when you walk by with your children, you need to tell them, this is what the Lord did for me. And the problem with a lot of church folk is this. A lot of church folk are acting the fool, acting crazy. They cry, they whine, they complain. And your kids don't want to come to church because they don't know how you make it. Well, I'm going to let you think about that. They, they, they hear you quote the scriptures, but they don't see you living the scriptures. You can sing every song in church, and I mean, oh, isn't that impressive? You know every word. I'm telling you, all oh, the hymns, everywhere. I mean, you know it. You know it. But the problem with a lot of church folk is is there's not this spiritual saturation of what you receive in here, and it applies out there. And we got a lot of people acting crazy out there, and there's no memorial, there's no point of reference that they can say, look what the Lord has done. And then your kids are confused, your family's confused, your spouse. But he said, I want you to put a memorial up, and I want you to remember what I did. Because you're going to need it. Amen. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, do you got anything in your boat? Anything in your boat? Anything in your life that God can give you a point of reference? So here, here it is. It's not that they didn't obey. They obeyed. They picked up the nasty fish and the bread. They, they put the baskets in the boat. They were rowing. They, they, they did all of that. And that's all good. Amen. That's, that's all good. It's not that they didn't obey. But what they did is they did not correctly Know what they had been through was the answer to what they're going through now. The bread is a lesson that God will bring you through every single test in your life. Do you have a point of reference in your life? Do, do, Do you have a testimony? A testimony. See, a lot of people get so focused on what they're going through that they don't realize what they've been through, been through. And and, and sometimes we find ourselves fighting and struggling with the storm that we need Jesus to walk on the water and get in the boat and fix it. But Jesus doesn't want to walk on the water all the time for you. Oh, amen, someone. Listen, here's how I reconcile this whole thing, and then we'll we'll get ready to pray here in a bit. Is this all right? He shows up, he speaks into their lives. It is I do not be afraid. Do not fear. Don't worry about a thing. And and when they heard him speaking, it, it, it resonated with them. They didn't understand. They could not see his face. They didn't understand his walk, but they understood his voice. The voice was speaking blessing into their lives. The voice was speaking hope into their lives. When they heard the voice of Jesus speaking into their lives, It did something to them. And I believe as they were rowing that boat and they're out there in the middle of the sea, it's 3 o'clock in the middle of the night, someone somewhere on that boat should have said, boys, shape up, quit crying, quit complaining, quit worrying about it. I see there's there's a basket full of bread right beside me. There's some fish beside me. And it's got a voice and it is speaking to me. And this voice that's speaking. Oh, Thomas, quit doubting back there. And look at your basket. Peter, I don't want to hear you complain. Look at your basket. Look what the Lord has done. And I believe that the baskets have a voice. I believe that the testimony has a voice. Does anybody hear me? Because the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word, the voice of their testimony. Every time that the doctor tells you you can't make it, you need to look at him and say, I know that you're giving me a professional opinion, but I want you to know my God is Jehovah. Rafa. He has healed me in the past. He will heal me again. Every time the devil shuts a door, you look at him and say, I've got a bread for a basket speaking to me. I've got a testimony. And every door that the devil has shut, God opened up another door. I've got a word. I've got a testimony. Anybody got a testimony in this house? Would you raise your hands and say, "Thank thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody needs to get it. Thank you, Lord, for what you brought me through. Thank you, God, for my testimony. It's speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me out. Thank you, God, for saving my family. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. They overcame by the voice of their testimony. You thought your testimony was forever. I tested you, I challenged you, but I have equipped you to go through the trial. Remember, draw from the well, draw from the reservoir of my blessings in your life. And I will show you, I do not walk on water for everyone because I've given you what you need to make it. You have a testimony and you will make it, child of God. Oh, somebody. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. Oh. Oh, I I wish somebody get a hold of this. Get a hold of it. You've got a testimony. You've got a, a testimony. And it's speaking into your life. Wow. And they're rowing that boat all along. Listen, I've preached this. I have preached this. And I would always preach on the, the, the bread and the, f- who wants to eat nasty fish? Who wants to eat bread that's people been chewing and gnawing on? I always thought the basketfuls were for them to have dinner and for them to have something to eat. But that wasn't the case. The 12 baskets, 12 represents the church. It's a reference point of what God can do. It's a reference point for what God did do. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Last, last couple of scriptures. Psalm chapter 78, verse 35 says, And they remembered that God was their rock. And that God, listen to this, was their Redeemer. They remembered. You, listen, I know, I know your pastor, he'll sit and counsel with you, but you don't have to spend the next 12 months counseling with him, trying to figure out how you're going to make it. What you're gonna, he'll give you good advice. I know this man. He's going to love on you. But what you really need to do is say, Pastor, I got this. I got this because I know what God did, and I know what God will do. I remember he is my God. I remember he is my Redeemer. I remember. Look what Psalm 111 says in verse 4. He says, He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered, for the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. He said, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto you into thy holy temple. Your leftovers are your memories of what God did in your past to get you through what you face right now. I want to thank him for the Leftovers, Because the power, listen to this, the power is not in where you are. The power is in where you've been. Can I say it again? The power is not where you are. I don't care if you feel it. I don't care if you get tickled. I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care if you don't have anything. But oh, if I know that there was power back then, that power is a testimony to me that God will do it again. someone. I love that song, When I Think About the Lord. I don't know, it just does something to me. Y'all do that song, don't you? When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he saved me, how he filled me, makes me want to what? Shout! I wish the church would get their shout back. Get their joy back. Get their hope back. Because if you thought about where you came from, The preacher would never have to encourage you to worship. Terror would never have to encourage you and draw worship out of you. If you really think about it, I was dying and on my way to hell, I should be in jail right now. Come on, someone. I should be six feet under right now. But when I think about the Lord and what he has done for me, I want to shout. I want to praise. I want to thank you, Lord. So someone in. that boat someone in that boat should have said we're gonna shout through the storm because I got a point of reference come on Peter I know you're frustrated but keep on rowing the boat Jesus is truly the son of God and he does not have to walk on water for me to prove it he's already proven it at the cross He's already proven it when he saved me. I don't need him to calm the storm. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is so, so important. And then I'm going to close. Praise team, get ready to come. Worship team. Uh, And and this is this. He he speaks. Listen. Wow. He speaks to them, and it keeps raining. It is I. Be of good cheer. And the winds are still blowing. And the hurricane is still there. And here's what I want you to get to. I want you to understand this. God will speak you through a storm. We've been at, God, would you please take the storm away? Would you just calm the waters, calm the way? And he'll sometimes do that, but most of the time God wants to speak you through the storm, not take you out of the storm. And that's what I came to tell you, you've got a testimony. You've got a testimony. And it's speaking volumes to your life right now. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God wants to get you to the other side. And if you just look down and think about what he has done for you, you're going to make it. Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in this house. Stand with me all over this place. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me all over this place. We're going to get ready to worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe this is a word for someone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, that, that's why you need to get everything you can get out of service because you're going to need it tomorrow. That's why you need to get everything you can out of this service. I'm going to get ready to call the altar call. Listen, I don't care if the preacher doesn't preach good and the sound doesn't sound good and everything goes wrong in a church service. The most important thing in a church service is about what we're getting ready to do. It's about this altar right here. And I'm telling you, you better come and you better get as much bread, as much fish as you can get tonight. And you better take some home with you because I guarantee you, you're going to need it come Monday or Tuesday. How many of y'all work with the devil? No, I mean, he, he got horns and everything. Some of y'all work with the devil, and you're, go, you're going to be in meetings with them, and you're going to sit down in the conference room, and you're going to see them, and you better have some fish left over, and you better have some bread left over. Some of you have an important appointment this week to see the doctor, and, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, and you're waiting for some news. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. What does Jesus say? You better get something. Amen. So, some of you have financial decisions to make, and you got important decisions, life-altering, life-changing decisions that you must make. And when you make those decisions, I'm telling you, you better have a point of reference. Because the devil wants to confuse this world, and the devil wants to confuse you. But I, I want you to know, my testimony speaks to me. My testimony, and, and, and this is the last thing. You, you can go ahead and play if you want. You won't, you won't bother me at all, or whatever you all normally do, or don't do, and... I hope I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. You all back here planning, and, and you got you getting your baskets ready, aren't you? That's what it was. You are getting your baskets ready? All right, all right. I have no idea what I was getting ready to say. I'm just wait a moment and see if it comes back. I'm 50 now. Is that hard to believe? 50. I'll be 51 in October, and so I have no idea what I was getting ready to say. But I can play it off because I'm 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 getting on the other side now. Amen. Does anybody remember what I was saying? Oh. Yes, yes. And, and, and you need to get as much as you can get because a lot of people get satisfied with just enough. Just, just enough. And if I can get just enough to get by, just, just enough, then I'll, then I'll be Okay. Just enough is not going to cut it in 2021 for the church. I'm telling you, if you've ever seen an attack on the church, it's the day in which we live in. You've preached it your entire life, your entire ministerial career. And every decade you would preach it just as hard. And, and, and now you see it just, can you imagine you started, uh, when did you start in, in ministry? 1970 something? 60s. 60s. What, what year? 66. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> T- tell me the truth. Was, was it tough riding on the horse to church and the carriage? And th- did they have cars back then? I'm so sorry. I had to. I had to. <laughs> I-, I love you. I- isn't it interesting, though? If you would sit down and talk to a, a couple like this in ministry, what I just said is the truth. You, you would have never dreamed some of the things that are happening in this world back when you were first starting. Like maybe your first 10 years by 74, you probably preached on the, the Lord's coming and Jesus is coming and the signs are pointing to it. And you preached it with fervor and fashion or passion. But I'm telling you, the Lord's coming. And you've never seen a day like this. And, and, and what we need to understand is there's a dying and a hurting world out there. And if we don't have enough to get us through, you're never going to evangelize this world. And you need to have more than enough in your life so that you can have overflow. Can, can I share one more story? What time is it? Oh, we got plenty of time. Plenty of time. I was... Uh, I was young, and I was in a position, it was a first management position, and uh, I, did, I did work with the devil. I promise you I worked with the devil, and I worked with the legion of them, and I can remember that, that I had an office here, just a small little cubicle, and I worked with this devil. I can tell you their name, this devil, the, the district manager devil was down here. He was, the lead, he was the lead guy. And, and I'm telling you, I would go to work. This is why you need more than enough. And man, I was about ready to quit sometimes. I was about ready to give up. I was about ready to give in. And I said, Lord, I, I need an anointing in my life. Because I need you to fix this, Jesus. I need you to fix this, Jesus. And, and I just prayed and prayed and asked God to anoint me. and ask God. So I would go into work early. And you know what I would do? I, I started walking down the aisles and I prayed over them. Prayed over them. Yeah, they could have told me not to. I'm in the secular world. I don't care. I prayed over each one of those cubicles. And here's what I began, I began to lay my hands on them. And I said, God, either they got to change or you got to move them out, one or the other. Remember how I told you you're going to face the devil this week? You better be ready, amen? You better be ready. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I said, God, I, I'm not praying uh, just, just enough. I can't have just enough an anointing. I need you to fix this. Anybody there? Fix it, Jesus. And I took my anointing with me into that office. And I said, Lord, it's either me or them. Either they go or I go. I promise you. I promise you. This young lady got transferred out to, I think, Florida. This guy that was the broker manager got transferred to Chicago. This guy, I don't even know what happened to him, but he was gone. District manager was gone. Every one of them was gone. And God started to fill up every one of those positions with Christians that I got along with. Isn't that amazing? You'll, you'll never get through those types of situations in your walk with God with just enough. You need an overflow. And I believe God wants to give us overflow. Amen? See, we, we use that word prosperity as it's a bad word. We need to prosper in the house of God. And I'm not talking about just financially. I, hey, if God wants to bless you financially, that's wonderful. I, I would love for every person in here to be an inventor. You cure cancer, you do something, and you're a multi-multi-billionaire, and you just plant churches all around the world. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to prosper in Revelation. I want you to prosper in anointing. I want you to prosper in healing. I want you to prosper, I want you to have an overflow. And, and, and listen, he can do it right in the middle of your enemies. Because he said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And I had just enough to make it through, the, through that valley. No, that's not what it says. He says, my cup runneth over. Would you raise your hands? And we're going to pray, and then we're going to open up this altar, and they're going to sing, and then we're just going to let happen whatever's going to happen in this place. Is that okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've preached your word, God. I've preached your word the best that I know how. And Lord God, I pray that it's touched a heart in this place. And God, I'm asking for the testimony to speak loudly tonight. I'm not asking you to speak to the preacher. I'm not asking you to speak to the to my partner or to my spouse. I'm not asking you to talk to my friend. I am asking you to revive my thought of my testimony. I need to hear the word of my testimony. I need to hear and remember, Lord. Because when I remember and think about what you've done, God, I'm stirred in my spirit, man. I don't walk by, by what I see but I walk by faith I'm listening to my testimony my testimony says I'm healed my testimony says I'm, I'm well my testimony says I'm an overcomer my testimony says the church's best days are here my testimony Lord in Jesus name come right now Lord I'm going to open up these altars and I want you to come and I want you to gather around these altars and the prayer team's going to come and we're going to pray. The worship team's going to sing and I want you to hear the word of your testimony and what God has done. Amen. Would you do that right now? Come on, step out from where you are. Step out from where you are. Come on, raise your hands and raise your voice. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Let the testimony be louder than the test. Let the testimony speak louder than the winds and the waves and the storm. Let the testimony speak to me, Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. Come on, step out from where you are, church. Come on, sing whatever you're going to You are
2: reaching. Keep going. those words.
3: Well, go ahead and shout if it makes if it makes you want to shout. Hallelujah! My, my, my! I'll be honest with you. I've about shouted out. I'm I'm hoarse tonight, but I'm not hoarse from cheering for the Eagles or the Cowboys, but for Jesus tonight. Amen. That's it for Jesus tonight. Come on, give him one more praise. Give him one more praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Jay. I you know, when you sent me when we were communicating by text. And I don't know if you remember the last three words you sent to me on that text. You said, Let's have church. Amen. We've done that tonight. Amen. We've done that. Let's, when we come to church, we ought to have church. Amen. Enjoy the presence of the Lord. Thank everybody, all of you, for coming and being a part of tonight's service. And thank God we have a servant, God, of more than enough. More than enough. Let's believe God. I love what he said tonight. We've got the evidence. We've already got it, what he's done for us in the past. We've got the point of reference that we don't have to doubt about the future because he's already done it in the past. Praise the Lord. Thank God for his goodness. Father, we thank you for this time tonight. In your house, we thank you, Lord, that we are here tonight. We've enjoyed your presence. Oh, God, now let us, as we leave, Take those baskets with us. Take the fragments with us, Lord, to remind us no matter what devil may show up tomorrow or problem or difficulty, we have a point of reference. You've given us the victory already. We thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Jay. I thank you for his daughter Katie. I thank you for his wife Michelle. Thank you for their family, the whole family. We pray blessings on them. Family Life Worship Center as well, God. Roger and Peggy Kales, we thank you. We pray great blessings, God, on them and on that whole household and that church, God. Bless your people, Lord. Give us grace to face tomorrow as we thank you for what you've done tonight, giving you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord.